That was me. Yeah, you're just the bus stop. Easing, easing everyone. It's like in the Nerdist podcast. Just my you know. All right. Well, racist we should, story. Yeah, go ahead. Irish bar. Yeah, please. I, it's racist story in Boston. Who the hell? <laughs> who would have thought so? All right. So I still haven't really decided what exactly to call this podcast. I thought of like the Immortal Fandom podcast because uh, I don't know, maybe something off of Moral Beloved. But um, anyways, the idea be- the idea I had behind this is I I have this you know incredible amount of friends that are from all the different friends, areas the best friends yes best friends ever yeah very thank you donald so i have this like large amount of friends from many different geographical areas all across the united states and i wanted to just have conversations with them about their most you know their uh, their favorite sports teams just as i would if we were sitting on a barstool somewhere and i i realized that i just totally you know cop the name of the barstool sports but hey that's is a pretty good name for things so um, and, you know, I'm doing this because uh, I'm probably the first uh, heterosexual white male in, Amer- in America to try to get their their long dormant creative impulses out through starting a podcast. This, I don't think this has ever been done before. Trevor, have you ever heard of? Uh, I've never heard of a podcast. No, no I don't no. think anyone's Anyways, ever done that before. So I could have had a lot of people on for my first podcast, but... Um, then this this topic uh, that we are going to discuss the the to- the team that we are going to discuss uh, the Boston Bruins, uh, there really was only one choice, and that is my friend Trevor Crookshank, who is sitting right across from me in this lovely studio here. In Not Boston. a lot of people will admit to being Bruins fans. Yeah, uh, for good reason. But I think I feel like you the shame the shame. Yes, the I feel like you you kind of you kind of embody what I think the layperson. The person from outside New England might have in their mind of a Bruins fan, uh, you know, a North Shore typical mass hole. There's the word. Yeah. I mean, let's be frank. I think that if there's any definition of it, if there's any definition of a, of a Bruins fan that somebody from outside New England might have in their mind, I think you would fit the bill. Is is that is that accurate in your in your in your mind? It has been a long time since I've shaved. You're correct. Yes. <laughs> So, and it, it's 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 also strange too because you and I are both Bruins fans, but I think that obviously it's a different situation. We're both New Englanders, native New Englanders. I was born in Massachusetts, but I grew up in Northern Connecticut, and you're from lovely Malden, Massachusetts, right, right up the street here, which is one of the most Massachusetts place in the entire state of Massachusetts. I, I think that's also pretty accurate to I say. I think that's fair to say. So I didn't really grow up a Bruins fan. I grew up a Hartford Whalers fan because my my family never having really having true attachments to any hockey team, but still having very deep attachments to the Red Sox, Patriots, and Celtics, um, but having no attachments to the Bruins whatsoever, I was sort of free to pick and choose my allegiances at well. And growing up 15 minutes outside of Hartford, as I did, I chose, you know, perhaps poorly to be a Hartford Whalers fan and never actually saw them go to the playoffs before they moved to friggin' Carolina in 1997 or 98. I can never remember because I kind of blocked that out in my head. And I was left without a team and then chose to beat a Bruins fan and then of course I moved to New Jersey and then the Devils started winning Stanley Cups but that's neither here nor there I imagine it's a little bit different for you uh, being from Massachusetts you obviously must have grown up a Bruins fan I did you did I did I, I did grow up and I have been a Bruins fan before and after growing up mm-hmm. 
which is not an easy thing to do. Yes, yes. I mean, it's a, it's also a family lead. It's I would say too, right? Yeah. Did yeah, your, you your, could say your, that. Your my da- your my dad... uncles had season tickets. Oh, really? Yeah. So I I, I went to uh, a, you know a handful of games throughout my childhood. Mm-hmm. And you also... I was very young when I first went to the garden. I don't remember my first garden experience. I always wish I'd actually been able to go to the Boston Garden at one point in my life. I never actually made it to the garden. I saw. Plenty of Whalers games at the Hartford Civic Center, um, but never saw a Celtics and or a Bruins game at the at the actual old Boston Garden, which, as I understand, was a serious experience for anybody that went there. It was. The steps were very steep, especially <laughs> up in the balcony, I tell you what. So you're standing in the balcony, and you're practically looking straight down at the ice mm-hmm. and at the players, which made it very easy for my uncle to yell, Chris Nyland, you bum! <laughs> yes. And you also played hockey too, and you come from a you come from an area too that has produced some very good hockey players. Involved. Yeah, yeah, not bad, right? Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, what was what there's was, a Kachuk or two in there? There's a Kachuk or two. Yeah, Malden, the North Shore really does produce some pretty good. Actually, some of the probably the best American players on par either come from Massachusetts or, or, or Minnesota, and the best players from Massachusetts probably are all North Shore people, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, that's fair to assume. Mm-hmm. I like that. Let's yeah. go with that. Okay, thanks. But, but thank you for saying that about Minnesota so I don't have to. Yeah. I'm not going to give them any more credit than they already got. Yes, we're basically going through the, the first, like, 15 minutes of Miracle as we speak right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. O.C., yeah. Jack O.C., Jack my Callahan. God. Oh, the actor, that, that poor actor. Yeah, yeah, they just died. That's too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah he died by his down. own hand. Yeah, so anyways, we're talking about the Bruins, and I, I think that the Bruins sort of they they definitely are, I think in the the fandom the passionate fandom of Boston sports fans I think that they're I think it's pretty easy to say that just they're number say number three. one they're not number one they're number one they're not number one the passion the the fans are the craziest in total it, I, I I will agree with you in that that the fans are the the craziest but in terms of overall influence on the scene I think they're I think that's oh, that? probably safe to say it's number three, yeah, right? They're three and a half or four. I can't say that they're number four because <laughs> have you tried to get a, if you try to get a ticket to the to the Bruins up here, it's friggin' impossible. I mean, when's the, what's the cheapest you'll play for a Bruins ticket here in Boston? I remember going to a playoff game in two thousand nine, just before uh, before things really took off, and. I paid fifty bucks for first row balcony mm-hmm. center ice. Yeah, in the second round of the playoffs, that was the Carolina series, mm-hmm. and that is cheaper than any spot in the balcony in a regular season game these days. That's something that's always intriguing. Can you ex- like why is it so much more expensive to now to go to a Bruins game than it is going to a Celtics game because? I haven't paid more than 40 bucks to go see a Celtics game since the KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen era. And even mm-hmm. then, I was paying 50 or 60 bucks at the most to go to maybe a playoff game in that area. Why is it so expensive to go to a Bruins game where it's still pretty affordable to go to a Celtics? Do you have any insight? I think it's a one? pretty simple I think it's a pretty simple answer. It's about it's about winning. Mm-hmm. It, it's always about winning, but it, But the Celtics which almost, is about money. Yeah, but the Celtics have, you know, at least been on par Maybe not recently, but in that era, they've been as good or even a little bit better than the Bruins. They've been on sort of parallel schedules, but the Bruins are slightly behind. The Mm -hmm. Celtics won the championship in 2008 Mm -hmm. with KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. 
and Rondo, if you want to throw him in, and Doc, sure. and, and Doc. all of those guys are gone. <laughs> Let's not forget Eddie House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leon Poe. Leon I saw Poe. some guy wearing a Celtics hat that was autographed by Leon Poe the other yeah. day on the R's we're, line. We're totally the step onto the Celtics podcast. <laughs> still, yeah. No, but the the Bruins won a few years later in mm-hmm. 2011, but uh, actually it was yesterday, six years ago. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, but the best players on that team are still there. Right. That's true. Zidane Ochara is still there. Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're all still there. Uh, Tuca was on the bench. I'm not going to count that. Right. But those guys are all still there. They were the best players then. They are the best players now. I will fight anyone that wants to argue about Chara. Yes. But that is that alone is reason enough to keep the ticket prices high. That's true. Is it fair to say that the, that the, that the Boston fan base there... Uh, relationship with the Bruins has been, let's be charitable and say, up and down over the last 20 years or so. Uh, I, this is coming from an outsider who was living in New Jersey and then Connecticut for a, a long period of that, but it always seemed as though there was a lot of hatred for the Jacobs regime, the, the, Char- the Jeremy Jacobs is the owner of the, the Bruins, and I, it's it's not the most antagonistic in you know in all sports between owner and town as no, that's sometimes happens. Yeah, that's that's definitely the Knicks. But in terms of New England, it definitely seems to have been and still is the one relationship between. I mean, I think we can agree that the the ownership is very stable for the other franchise, and the relationships are all pretty solid between the Crafts and Pagliuca and Grousebeck mm-hmm. for the Celtics, and then. You know, while it's not perfect, the the ownership of the Red Sox certainly seems to have put still as on a straight path. But there is always this this I guess a little bit of resentment between Bruins fans and the Jacobs family. Where yeah, is that? just a little. Yeah, just a little. Where does <laughs> ownership that... is stable. And ownership o- ownership is, very is stable. absolutely stable. But... I mean, even to the point of a succession plan. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy down the street, Felger, likes to say yeah. this is the lucky sperm club. Yeah. Well, Jeremy <laughs> Jacobs will very soon pass this on to Charlie Jacobs. Um, I'm not, you know, rooting for the day, mm-hmm. but it's going to happen soon enough, and so, that, and he will continue. The important thing there is in an interview a few years ago when they fired Chiarelli and hired Don Sweeney, mm-hmm. Charlie Jacobs, the GMs, yeah. yes, Charlie Jacobs at the press conference introducing Don Sweeney. I think this is when it happened. He said that he and his family. And by extension, the general manager and the president of the team were stewards for this franchise, Mm -hmm. stewards for the franchise. That is to say they are delivering this this service to the people of Boston, and it's their responsibility to see that it's done well and that it's done right and that it's done with rings. And where does the animosity, the original animosity, the the bad blood in this relationship come from with the Jacobs family? Just can you talk about that a little bit? Where does the, where does the where's the genesis of that start? I mean, does it? Well, he's the owner. Yes, he's the owner, but that's not enough. That's not enough. But you know, it, it isn't enough because there was this always this this mass negativity against the against yeah. the Jacobs family. Yeah, and, and I, I, I I've heard it comes from. Not spending enough money Correct. in the in the in the early '90s when the Bruins were this very good team, but just could yeah, not get over they, the hump. Is that the gen- is that the genesis of well, it? Well, they were good. I mean, there there's a couple of different ways to look at spending money. There's there's spending extra money to go out and get more players in order mm-hmm. to make a better team. But um, there's an incident in the '90s when Ray Bork was up for a contract extension, and they played hardball with mm-hmm. him. He's one of the best players the team has ever seen. He yes. was probably the best defenseman in the league. 
and they played hardball over a contract extension. It should have been a sure thing, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. and it it pissed off a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I yeah, it, it the Bruins definitely have had, at least it seems to me, have always been the one team in Boston where it's it's been prickly, consistently prickly. Yes. Maybe not in the last seven or eight years as the Bruins well, have been pretty good. You've but got to go back to in the free 90s, agency in 2006, yeah. uh, which is when, coming out of the lockout, the, the full season mm-hmm. lockout, um, I, I think it must have been that Jeremy Jacobs had a revelation that if you spend money, you can win. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, so he went out and got himself a nice couple of new toys. There was a Dano Chara. He signed to, I think, seven-year deal. And Mark Savard might have also been a seven-year deal. But oh, the two, two of the for, biggest free agents. Mark Savard. Truly one of the, truly yeah, oh, one of the really sad, is. He's, the, sad the, the, the unfortunate circumstances. I mean, talk about a guy who was... He's doing all right, though. He's doing all right. But he's talk, coaching. He's coaching. But talk about a guy who was just a melee, you know... Like kind of the the Bruins equivalent, Rajon or Rajon Rondo, or, or you know, watching stuff. But the passes that guy would make. You remember? You remember when Paul Pierce went out and I know we're getting back to basketball. We are getting but, back to basketball. But you it's remember when yeah. Paul Pierce got hurt in yeah. the finals I against the Lakers? That, I was at that game. The game yeah. of the wheelchair. You remember? Game. He, yeah, I was at that game. It, the, what the wheelchair getting, yeah. getting carried off the floor? Game one. Yeah. yeah, and then you remember he came back. Yeah, imagine that. Except he doesn't come back. Yeah, that's it's, Mark Savard. It's terrible. But what happened for those who who don't know? Maybe aren't that insane into uh, into hockey. Mark Savard was an incredible, incredible center. Uh, smart, center, smart, smart play. great he classes. Saw the, he could see the ice two steps ahead of everybody else. Bruin, the Bruins signed him as a free agent after a lockout, as uh, along with Dino Char, the defenseman. And, and he had been underappreciated his whole mm-hmm. career with mm-hmm. Calgary and the Rangers. And, and he we got him. Uh, this real scumbag on the on the Pittsburgh Penguins, a guy named Matt Cook, uh, who uh, is. I don't. I doubt he's in the league anymore. I think he's retired or you know in jail or something. No, I think he's dead. Yeah. I'm going to believe that he's dead you until should. somebody <laughs> tells me otherwise, and then I won't listen to him. You should. Um, so I, I think he's uh, he uh, sucker basically had a, a very very dirty hit and gave him a, a terrible concussion. He tried he to blindsided him across the temples and he spun him around, knocked him down. Tried knees. to come back, uh, scored a game winning goal in the playoffs, and then he got injured again the next season, and then he was basically lights out by so. an ex teammate. Yeah, by an ex teammate. So. And Anyways, Matt that's so. Let's let's go back to real quick the most recent Bruins history. Last year they make the playoffs. They, uh, they fire, Yay, accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, they make they make the playoffs. They lose in six games, I believe, to the Ottawa Senators, the team that wouldn't went on and uh, lost to the Penguins in seven games for the uh, double overtime. Double overtime seven, seven for the Eastern Conference Finals. So um, they kind of an up and down season. Their longtime coach, uh, the guy who took him to the Stanley Cup Finals, and well, twice and won one of them, Claude Julien. I believe that he was the That's Claude. Claude, sorry, I'm a terrible French name. C L O D E. Claude Julien uh, was fired in the middle of it. Uh, you know, a long, a long time coming. Definitely. A time Speaking for a of spending money to win, he came around the same time. I think he and Char were the same year. Same year. So. They make the playoffs, uh, losing the first round, and that's where we're at with the franchise. And I'm, we're, we'll talk about what your optimism is for the future at the very last segment. But that's where we sit. So the last last five years, they made the playoffs uh, a couple of times. They probably not at the Stanley Cup level that they were in the, the the prime of the Chara era. Let's just call it the Chara Bergeron era. Two players that I'm sure we'll talk about recently. But the word they use in hockey up. is the window. The window. The Chara yeah, window. The Chara window. All right. So the Claude window. So we. I have some categories that I'm going to ask you. This is what is going to yeah. work for all of these. Mm-hmm. So. 
I outlined these categories for you, and what I did was I I guessed I took my best guess at what your answer is going yeah. to be, with my knowledge of the franchise. And some outline of this is I'm I don't want to go back through the entire history of the franchise for any of these. I don't want to talk about you know I, and I'm well aware of how great Bobby Orr was. Yeah, no, I'm not going to um, be sitting here yeah. telling stories about what Eddie Shore may yeah. or may not have I, done. I I feel like you know if I'm discussing this, it, it's only people that you've seen yes. live or in person. Yeah, I'm, counts. I, I mean I, I I'm, I'm keeping it to my lifetime. Yeah, I know that I know that when I talk about the Red Sox, I know that Ted Williams is going to be the greatest player that ever that ever wore the uniform. So I'm but I'm I can't really say that you because have to take someone's word for it i have to take someone i have to take my <laughs> my whole life my dad or my granddad's word for yeah, it exactly. that bobby Orr so, was it. exactly and we never we were unfortunate never got to see bobby Orr or phil esposito or any of these other great bruins from their 70s prime or before that the 80 shore era we never got to see those guys live unfortunately but or milt schmidt milt schmidt uncle milty may he rest in peace but so I, we're going to keep these answers to our our really conscious sports-loving lifetimes, which I'm assuming for you probably starts uh, early to mid-90s. And same thing for me when I was watching the Whalers They were in lose the cup final in 88. I was three yeah, and a half years yeah. old. So yeah, I was, I was watching, watching the Whalers lose consistently, but and also watching a lot of the 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 Bruins on WSBK. Yeah. In in, uh, in no, I watched Canada. I watched a Bruins game on WSBK from Montreal yeah. one time. The really? signal the signal got up to Montreal. <laughs> it was an incredible signal. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> that WSBK for for those who uh, maybe are not from New England listening to this. That was the the local UPN station that broadcast yeah. a lot pre-UPN. of the Bruins pre pre <laughs> pre yeah pre UPN. That was the 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 broadcast TV thirty eight TV thirty eight that the movie loft. Yep, the movie loft. The that, three Stooges. This is this is the most Massachusetts thing ever, right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the this it this broadcast pre Phantom Gourmet. Gourmet. Yeah, it broadcast a lot of the. Uh, before the this the Bruins were on uh, Nesson, I, I think before even the establishment. Of, well, no, maybe oh, not Nesson, before. Nesson, Nesson was around. I think Nesson, they around but like they n- they didn't have all of the the sport. They didn't have all the Bruins games. They didn't have all the, the Red Sox games. So yeah, on the weekends, a lot, a of, the lot weekends, of TV thirty eight, a lot would be on this cable. Would be on this this uh, this over the air broadcast station, which is how I got to see a lot of them because my my cheap ass dad wouldn't pay for that. I'm sure he's going to listen to this. So what's up, dad? Uh, <laughs> my cheap dad wouldn't pay for any of the the cable sports package. So anyways, uh, we got off. We got off topic, obviously. So these are the categories that I wanted to, to talk about. Oh so, no, I'm going to cut you off there and keep us off topic for a second. Sure. I was watching this Montreal. Uh, sorry, not Montreal. I was in Montreal watching right. a Bruins game on the TV at the kids' house. It, it was, uh, was a hockey uh, tournament when, when I, was in this? 1993. I was, oh wow, okay. Yeah, you I, were, you were I was what? a I was a, a <laughs> mite. It mm-hmm. might have been my first year of squirts. But we had a tournament in Montreal. Mm-hmm. It was Malden against Dollard, which is on the <laughs> western end of the Montreal island. You guys hopefully fucked up some Canadian kids at the same time. Oh, yeah, there, you, you wish. No, they destroyed us. <laughs> uh, they they salted the ice so we could never <laughs> skate again. Um, so, But, you know, everybody went up. The whole team went up and all of our families went up and everyone – it was like a full experience, like like a long weekend or something mm-hmm. like that. And And – um, while everyone was there, everybody went to the Montreal game at the old forum mm-hmm. against uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. And this is right after so the is... Mark Reckie, John LeClaire trade. Mm, oh, wow. So there was a lot of bad blood in the building. There was a lot of booing going on. And I was the only person in my family and one of few people on the team that didn't actually go to the game. Instead, the kid that I stayed with, because that's how it worked. It was like, a you know, the players on the team stayed with a, a player on the other team. Uh, this, so this kid that I stayed with, he and I went and saw Billy Madison instead. 
<laughs> uh, like when it came, like for when it first came out in theaters. Yeah, right. but on the way there, we stopped so he could buy Dookie at a, a record store. This is this is a, this is the most 1990s story yeah. I've ever. This is this really is the most 1990s so story. We see Billy Madison. We come back to his you know his what? house, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I got the Bruins game down there." And, uh, <laughs> With a little French in there, yeah. Yeah, that's a well, that's 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 yeah. excellent. That was that so was, we had the fuzzy fuzzy signal on the uh, TV yeah. cutting in and out, and we watched the Bruins game. What a worthy tangent that was for one of the thank most ninety stories I've ever heard. All right, so thanks for having faith in me. Yeah, thank. Well, I've, oh, are you kidding? We haven't so, talked about how I became a hockey person. No, well, well, you know, I think we've already steamrolled over that. Yeah, I think we got a good. Well, well, you know, we'll come back to that at the end. But anyways, I want to get to these categories. So because I'm actually intrigued by that by your answer here, because there's a lot of different ways it could go. So the first category is I have best player. No, this is just the best player in the history of the franchise, as you know it. Being oh, the friend. history of the franchise. Oh uh, no, as as uh, your history of the franchise. Sorry, I oh, I I didn't um, restrict it to franchise. I I'm I was going uh, league wide, worldwide. I was looking at the best players that I've ever seen. I was play. I was I wanted it just for the Bruins, just for the franchise. Yeah. I'll give you an answer. All right, so I'm gonna guess what my answer is going to be mm-hmm. because I had a couple of different ways I go with this and. You know, I, I considered Zdeno Chara, which is somebody, which is guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer and a Norris Trophy winner, the trophy for best defenseman. But, uh, you know, I don't think he was as good as the answer that I'm going to give to you, which I'm going to say it's Ray Bork. Does, is that something that you would, you're going to agree with me on that one? or I'm not going to give you that as number one. You're not going to um, give me that. No, well, Ray Bork, um, you know, Ray Bork was drafted by the Bruins in 79, and I was born six years later. Right. That, that was the only – that was why I, I – hesitated to say Bork because I know he was at the tail end of his prime when you would have started been, yeah. been watching but I, I considered he might have been in the still in the North Trophy but still I, I was watching I mean I, I watched it, the rule was if it was mm-hmm. an East Coast game we could watch the whole game right before going to bed before mm-hmm. we had to go to bed yeah you know as kids and if it was a West Coast game the 10 o'clocks we would you know it's already later than the other right. game would have been Absolutely. we'd stay up and watch the first period and then go to bed <laughs> All right, but there were that was all for Ray Bork and Cam Neely. Cam Neely, so yeah, Ray Bork. So Neely, the answers, the answers are neither going. Your answer is not going to be either Ray Bork yes. or Cam Neely. For, um, for my your, your best, your best Bruins player that just overall best that you you've watched. My ability to read the game mm-hmm. has improved uh, over the years. So I know, um, so I know I, who your answer is going. I kind of have to dismiss a lot of the older stuff. I mean, I know Ray Bork was amazing. Mm-hmm. Of course he was. You'll go back and watch highlights. Of course he was amazing, but. The single most dominant Bruin that I've ever seen, and you've already dismissed I, him. I, I'm a defenseman. I I love the simplicity of defense. You just stop. So you're gonna stop. say stop. You shut down. You're gonna say and Chara. you play physical, and it is Chara. Yeah, Chara. Can you, can you at ex- the height? Yeah. Can you explain just for maybe a, a huge, maybe not huge hockey fans, just how first off. Just give a sense of how big and strong Chara is. Like he, um, he's basically the mountain from Game of Thrones. He climbs mountains yes. in the off season. <laughs> um, is... No, he's an incredible. He's an incredible human being. He like he he climbs Kilimanjaro for fun in the off season. Yeah. He he grew up the son of a an Olympic Greco Roman wrestler from Czechoslovakia. He learned Greco Roman wrestling as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he still does it. Um, <laughs> But I know that he rides bikes. Yes. No, but he does climb. He, he has at least in the recent past climbed mountains in the off season. His uh, you know dedication physically is is incredible. He um, he was always the leader in pull ups, 
during, you during know, the, off-season yeah. weight training. I think Kevin Miller beat him by one yeah, like, a couple of years ago. So he's, he's what, six? He's like almost he's seven six, feet. He's 6'9". Almost uh, seven feet on I think skates. I've seen him listed at 255. Right. But he, he still appears and as though he's very lean and the, skinny. The best story about Chara I ever saw was, like, I think Sean Thornton said that, you know, they asked who the best fighter, and it says, it's Chara because he just won't fight because you know anybody he'll take on he will just destroy yes. because he yes. is it's not just the size it's not just the, the ability it is the knowledge to do it yeah the knowledge of how to do it also and that that's his yeah. that's the way he's made himself such a dominant player yeah and he the, knows the game he's he, gotten better at learning the game and he's a he's a norris trophy winner which is the, the trophy just once tops defenseman top just once yes he uh, he came second to nick lidstrom i yeah, think a few times that was um shoots the puck at a well over 100 miles an hour just a just a terrifying all around eight point yeah just a terrifying world record yeah just a terrifying all Don't around russia human being yes Oh, Russians lying? You're yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a, a story out of Russia like one or two years ago where they said like yeah. so-and-so had a harder slap shot. It was like 110 yeah. miles. Oh. Right. Yeah, no, they're they're full of shit. So anyway, so, but just the guy who can wipe down, wipe, just wipe out the best offensive player on, on another team. That's That's been his role. In this Bruins run, recently. offense, best uh, offense, best player. offense player. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you uh, a, not an anecdote, but a little bit of facts, a couple of facts to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Penguins, led by Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, mm-hmm. they just won two oh, consecutive last, Stanley yeah. Cups. Mm-hmm. They also won the Cup together in 2009. Right. Um, the Bruins played the Penguins in a playoff series in 2013. It was a four game sweep. The Bruins beat the penguins do you know how many goals the penguins scored in those four games it was only like i remember watching all four of those games but it was only like like three or four goals two two yeah two goals two goals that's insane i think chris kunis had one i don't know who in the prime but i'm pretty sure crosby and malkin and jerome mcginla maybe we'll come back to this later yeah he uh he also had zero points in that series if i recall correctly so your answer was my my answer the i said the best the best player that the best bruin that i've seen your lifetime has been has been z yes dano char was the most dominant he just occupied a quarter yeah. of the ice yeah. with a sweep of his stick. He could shut down anything that came near and physically destroy people. Absolutely. All right. So this is a different category. Uh, favorite Bruin. This is favorite favorite Bruin. So again, not necessarily the best, though. You know, they could be this. They could be the same. I imagine when we talk about the Red Sox, uh, whoever I have on for the Red Sox guest will probably have the same answer for both of those. I know I do. But so your your favorite Bruin, maybe not the best, but just the guy you enjoyed for whatever reason, the Colt guy. Who knows? Just your favorite Bruin. I I assume that's Patrice Bergeron. Is that your answer? That is my answer. Of course. Can you for the again for for the people who they might not be huge hockey fans and. Patrice Bergeron is never going to lead the league in goals or points, even though he's a very good offensive player, a great offensive player. But can you just give a sense of of how good he is? Like, I imagine it's what uh, you know, like what English soccer fans talk about with David Beckham, where he never scored never scored a bunch of goals, but he was just such a perfect player in making passes and setting people up and defensively and everything. He's just a complete complete package of a player, right? If I ever listened to anybody talk about soccer, I probably would have heard mm. that at some point. Yeah. But I think that's fair. Yeah. I think you're I think you've got it. I mean he is he is uh consistent with his offensive production. Mm-hmm. Um he'll get you around sixty points a season, twenty five and thirty five, something like that. But um it's just the, the it's smartest the little player. things. He is he is absolutely the smartest player 
Um, he's he's absolutely tenacious. He's not the fastest guy, but he always takes the shortest mm-hmm. angles. He always takes the the shortest route to the forecheck to the defensive positioning. He's always in the right place. His stick is always in the right place. He's able to shoot in a fraction of a second. I was watching uh, Game 7 Vancouver highlights earlier today. <laughs> I still don't, yeah, know, I don't know how, how that he first saw that first goal, yeah, how he saw that puck come from Marchand from the half wall through the skates of a couple of other players yeah, in front. That's, that, and that, he just that banged it so up. quick, the camera, the camera doesn't even is barely Yeah, you, can't, it. you can hardly see yeah. it. And Luongo could hardly see it. He, well, like Eventually, once the puck was already past me, he turned and he was like, whoa, shit. Also, Bergeron... One of the toughest motherfuckers alive. He's tough for a hockey player. I mean, he, he played. He played Game Six of the the Chicago Finals with what a punctured lung. He, he the he was, lung was yeah, punctured during the game. He already had a collapsed during, lung, <laughs> Jesus, and a broken rib, which is basically what happened to Drew Bledsoe. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe not to the same life threatening okay. extent, <laughs> but you know. Uh, also, yeah, I mean, and, he, and him, we also we forget too that he came back from. Uh, again, a, a concussion which might have ended a lot of people's careers. Yeah, that was Randy rookie, Jones in his rookie year. Uh, Randy Jones of the Flyers, a Randy really terrifying, Jones really terrifying. Crushed him in the boards. Yeah, he came back like and head to the glass from behind. And he's Bergeron was like twenty yeah. years old at the time. And he's come back to become you know not only one of the the toughest and the you know award winning uh, the the Selkie Trophy winner, which is best two way two way. Yeah, that, I mean, like you talk about the little yeah. things. That's the Selkie. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, winning a gold medal for the gold medal in the Olympics and just won the world championship too so the dude just world cup, cup, yeah. world cup. Mm-hmm. so you know just the dude is just a winner more than anything else just uh, like an all-around great yeah. player I, I figured i figured that Two was Olympic I, I knew that was going to be your, your favorite i i thought that yeah was, no i mean he's absolutely perfect he's a marvel to watch i mean like if you're if you're trying to teach someone how to play hockey or how to even watch the mm-hmm. game what the way the game should be played Put it on patrice. watch patrice bergeron right. every second whether he's got the puck or not he's perfect he's absolutely perfect right. he always makes the right decision he's always in the right place and he's always busting his ass to get there so i mean i, I when i was picking this out it was really between patrice bergeron and hal gill um for this honor. oh yeah so yeah that's yeah that right. <laughs> hal gill for those who don't really know is a, a man they affectionately call the pylon a defenseman who was <laughs> no not anymore not anymore he was, no he's he's coaching now yeah, i think coaching. he's uh, yeah, like uh, like concord high school or something all right like that. so i actually saw yeah. him at a preseason game hal like gill? 10 years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, was, he played he played for periods. a long time he played yeah, for he a did. long time actually i think he actually won a state of cup with uh the original maybe he was Penguins. Yeah. um I think he was. Yeah, he might have been on that 09 yeah. Penguins team. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was just a, a guy. I, he was on the roster yeah. in between periods. He, he, was, he was. He was behind me in line at the concession stand. He was effective. All right, so uh, now we're going to move on to the event. Uh, events. So this is. Uh, I'm going to go on. What's the best moment uh, as a Bruins fan that you can remember? I, and this this could be a play or it could be a game. I I, I chose a play, and it's a play that I, I remember very. Very distinctly, because uh, I was watching this with I don't know some woman. I was I was roommates. I was roommates with her back in the day. I don't know whatever happened to her. Um, sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds familiar. But yeah. it was a goal that was scored in Game Seven uh, against the Montreal Canadiens, the year of the Bruins actually won the cup. I uh, think I know that goal. I think you know that goal. I was watching with some some woman named Stephanie who left me to go uh, left my left my apartment to go I don't know live with some guy that she ended up marrying I don't mm-hmm. know who that whatever whatever became of that dude uh yeah 
But uh, anyways, so yeah, he's tapping his wedding ring on the, the table because he's married to that girl, <laughs> uh, my friend Stephanie. So we, yeah, I remember very clearly watching that goal that was scored by uh, Nathan Horton, Game 7 against Carey Place, deflected off of the stick of, or the, the skate of Derek, of Derek Morris. I think the defenseman for the Canadians. Um, yeah, no, Morris was with the Bruins the year before. Yeah, he was. Def- I think he was on the Canadians that year. But that was the the goal that I mean that was a, a talk about a fantastic hockey series, one of the most intense hockey series I've ever I've ever seen. Of but it that, was. that that got Bruins over that that hump in the first round. They go on and sweep the Flyers. They have another. They have a seven game victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that was my other choice. That might I I thought that that game seven against the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was my other choice. Is and now you're grooming at me. I, I guess that was well, your is that your is that your choice or is it is it a game or a moment in that Stanley Cup Finals that No, that I have? mean I all right, what was your 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 moment was the Nate Horton goal? Uh, yeah, I thought it was the Nate Horton goal. Exercising the demons. Exercising the demons. I thought that was it. That's one that's one of my favorites. Um But it's not the I favorite. have another moment from that game on the opposite list. I'm on the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah, the worst moments. Um no, I, I couldn't I couldn't get just one. Oh, you couldn't I, just I, one. I couldn't like just could, one. is that on there? Yeah. Uh, so that one, I bet I'm going to get this. I'm 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 betting it's Nathan Horton's goal from David Krejci against uh, Rollison in Game Seven of that series. No, That's it's not, not the one. No, mm. no, from that Game Seven, it was the Tim Thomas stick save on Steve oh, Downey. Steve Downey. The, yeah. the net was wide open. Downey yeah, had a that, wide open net, and so Thomas, many so many moments as though it was an advertisement for Reebok, stuck yeah. that stick out <laughs> and blocked that puck, and nobody could believe it. So many incredible moments in that playoff run. I mean, that the save in overtime in Game. Five uh, that that yeah. Tim Thomas made on uh, I forget the the Canadian the, when he slid across the crease and then it is too bad that Mike Ryder Mike too. Ryder Mike Ryder is saving that goal in game uh, <laughs> game four game four uh, in Montreal and then and then it's it's it is kind of too bad that Tim Thomas turned out to be like a complete nutcase because that run he had in that year is one of the all time great great hockey runs so I mean are there any of the moments that that you that I've we just didn't discuss two others You've from 2011 others? oh from 2011 just, just from 2011 all right yeah go ahead. from from 2011 there was uh <laughs> there was the Tim Thomas save on Steve Downey yeah um there was the Patrice Bergeron shorthanded goal in, in game seven game seven yeah against the Canucks it was the third goal of the game put them up three nothing towards the end of the yeah. second period and it was it was a breakaway rush, but he had a guy draped got, on his he back. Got two, he had two guys after, uh, on him in when yep. he got and knocked then he, into the crease. He, he got knocked got down into Roberto Luongo, and the pile of humanity pushed the puck into the net mm-hmm. because Luongo just wanted to get out of the way. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the the puck went in, and and it was reviewed, and you couldn't see anything that said it wasn't a legit goal. Hey. It was it was just every bit of of determination mm-hmm. by Patrice Bergeron. Yep. That made that happen, right. from from breaking out of the zone to finishing it off somehow. That, However, that puck went into the that net. That 2011, yeah. It was, so there's another one from 2011. There is. You don't yeah. have any. You don't have anything else from not 2011. Oh, of course I do. Yeah, oh, you I do. Got a okay. Few more. Well, I could, all right. So give me. Um, what's the last 2011? The last 2011 one? was Game Four. Uh, Brad Marchand breaking down the wing, and was I think it was a, was this a shorthanded goal. That no, it wasn't okay. a goal. It wasn't even a goal. Oh, I really? think it was Keith Ballard. Uh, Keith Ballard might have been the first. Oh no, or Ham Hughes, whatever. Um, one of, the, one of one those, of the, one of those Canucks, Canucks defensemen um, <laughs> playing on the the right D side. Martian breaking down the left wing. He slipped the puck between his skates and passed him into the corner and gave him that that little like jump around move, yeah. like almost a swim move, mm-hmm. where he would, it would like almost reach up and push him out of the way. Yeah. knocked him down. Um, 
and I think the ref's arm was already up in the air by that point, but Marchand went back in the corner, picked up the puck, and then saw another Canuck flying at him. It was Daniel Sedin. So he just dropped down, submarine Sedin, threw him into the boards, and then stood up and immediately threw his gloves to the ice to fight whoever was coming at him. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was. Um, but there was... he. He did the swim move on, I think it was Ballard. Then Daniel Sedin, he gave him the submarine, flipped him over right into the boards, and then was immediately ready to fight yeah. whoever it was coming at him, the next Canuck in line. And I knew right then we had a player because that was Marchand's Red first Marchand. real and season this, with the Bruins. The, you know, to give some context, Red Marchand's was a little five-foot nothing. He's basically Dustin Bedroia on skates as far as height goes, but he's developed from an agitator, you know, kind of a pest when he came into the league, to one of the better goal scorers in hockey. I he, think he, had, he developed from a pest who happened to score yeah, a lot of goals to a, to a goal scorer who, who happens to be a pest. All right. That's him. He's yeah. both of those. He always has been, and he's one of the best players in the league. So those are all your 2011 moments. Now, I, I'm assuming the comeback against Toronto uh, two years later, the, the game, maybe the goal that uh, Bergeron scores in overtime is on there, or or, you know, maybe it's the char goal that tied it up. That's got to be on there too. I didn't put it on the list. You didn't put that. Oh, because yeah, yeah, no, I know it wasn't. It wasn't Char. It was uh, it was Bergeron from the top of the yeah, but the top Chara, of the zone. T- Chara tied it. I know. I no, know. no, 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 no. It was um, uh, Lucic had the second. No, was it? yeah, whatever, whatever. It was Bergeron to tie it and Bergeron to win oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But I did not include that. No, really? I I do have. Mark Savard scoring the overtime uh, winner against the Flyers. Game, I think it was yeah. Game One against mm. the Flyers in the 2010 series, 2010 which they series. lost. Yes, after uh, holding a three nothing. I, I I I considered that moment for the next category, which yep. is worst moments. But I, I'm going. I I'm, had a blackout. Go- I left it off. Yeah, I'm going to assume that the worst moment is those last. What minute and thirty oh, no, seconds? No, uh, no, we'll get to it in a minute. I got a couple other favorites I want to get through oh, real Jesus quick. Jesus Christ! Yeah, oh yeah, one. of course I do. Um, let's see. I got through the twenty ten. Mark Savard. Holy <laughs> shit! I mean, coming yeah. back from the from concussion, the concussion. And I think that was his first game back. He was just fighting through it. He had missed the Buffalo series before that. Mm-hmm. It was his first game back after months with that mad concussion, yeah. and he scored the just overtime winner like in the playoffs, no, like and he a, lost like his a mind. No look, like a no look. Uh, he just shot. he just yeah. spun around and. Threw Threw it at the net and mm-hmm. it went in, and then he just like slammed his stick down. The on best the thing ice about that, the best the thing about that clip, oh. the best thing about that clip is when he chucks his stick into the crowd. Some guy just throws it right back at him. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants to look that up, it's hilarious. All right, so what else? What what else do you have um, for favorite moments? I got it. Um, uh, Marco Sturm scoring oh, the God. overtime winner in the really, Winter Classic. Really the start of the oh, of the Winter Classic. I thought you might have gone back to that game. Oh, I know what you're Montreal, talking about. But no, really, I, do, really, I do go back yeah. there with one of my favorites, but it wasn't a goal. Really, <laughs> All right, so please go ahead. But yeah, I mean, that's the, what, I, what you're going to yeah. talk about with that is probably the, the, the thing that kicked off this modern, the modern, or that, that era yeah, of the Berlin, it was, the Chara era. It was the, it, well, that was, that was the 2008 series, mm-hmm. um, but... Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm going back to 04. The 04 series against Montreal. Uh, um, yeah. uh, not Hala- no. Who was it? Theodore. Thibault. No, 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 not Thibault. Um, I know Theodore was. I think it was Theodore in 04. But anyway, in 2004, watching Mike Ribeiro mm. fake a heart attack yeah. on the ice kicking his legs and like pounding his chest and screaming oh my god and then cracking a smile a minute later on the bench when he got back it was just so great to see the canadians pull out their bullshit as best they could you you don't like the canadians too much no 
All right, so oh yeah, no, I have I have a great respect uh, for the toilet seat. Uh, <laughs> All right, logo. so we got to move on to and the worst moments. Uh, what are the what are, are you have any more? You have I got I got to get a couple more oh, out. Christ. Yes, there, it right. was also in that same game. Mike Ribeiro was flopping around, having a heart attack. Um, Alexei Kovalev was breaking through the neutral zone, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody gave him a chop, and he <laughs> lost the puck. And he, he instead of like fighting through it to to try and keep it to play, he just started. He like pulled up his hand and he started shaking his hand like oh my god somebody hit me on my and hand then, and meanwhile and Glenn scored. Murray broke Glenn Murray right by scored, him yeah. and fired the game winning goal Glenn Murray, right Glenn Murray really good player back in his day yeah. oh, alright so what are the other a couple favorites? of great Canadians moments um, I've also got I've got two more I've got Ray Bork scoring the game winning goal the at the All Star yeah, game at the Garden that was a great moment great moment because he was already in the league for about 17 yep. years by that point mm-hmm. so he was he was the old man but still an All Star are you going to put you're not going to put the Stanley his Stanley Cup win on this no I'm not putting Putting that on the list, nor am I putting the parade <laughs> that they threw for him when he when when Ray, this is how this is how low Boston sports for in oh, the '90s. Man. They threw a parade for a guy who'd won a title somewhere else. But anyways, yeah, oh, this is and different we loved era. Him for and it. We loved him for it. All right, so what's the last good? One? Uh, the, the last one I've got is from uh, the beginning of this past season. It was when Bobby Orr was pushing Milt oh, Schmidt yeah. in his wheelchair out to center ice to drop the puck. To begin, and he passed away season. a little while after. That. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a couple months late. I mean, the Great you know player. the season starts in October. Mm-hmm. He died uh, a couple days into January. Great player, long time Bruin. I mean, Uncle Bilty, Yeah, I think he was ninety-eight years old. All right, so worst moments. I I I just assume I took for this, and I hope you don't have a list of five hundred different things, even though you probably could have a, a couple. I had of them. a few, but uh, I'm going to assume the worst is probably that last minute and thirty seconds of Game Six in the Blackhawks final. Is that accurate? Oh, you mean the minute seventeen seconds? Yes, uh, I, 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 my, my enduring memory of that is watching that at the this awful bar in Boston called Ontane, uh, and seeing our friend Alexander James McDonald uh, getting so angry, he he chucked his cell phone at the wall and shattered it. He was right to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's on that list. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. I mean that that, 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 that game that, that, it just it, collapsed. Yeah, it, just like Bergeron's lung. That that Bruins team had gone as far as it probably could have. I feel yes. like I, I feel like and that was that was might have been the best Blackhawks team of the three of them that won the cup. Yeah. Um, and they gave him a fight still. So, all right. and well, they, I mean, they should have won if Casper's yeah. Dogovan had scored that goal in triple overtime like he should instead mm-hmm. of pushing all the way. Never mind. Um, uh, so, yeah, but right. no, you're right. Like that, that was that was pretty much the end for those Bruins. They were worn out. Bergeron yep. was obviously horribly injured and playing anyway, and he yeah. shouldn't have. Um, it was Tuka, not Timmy. Uh, I mean, he played great, and he still is great. And anybody who says we should trade him is an idiot. Yeah. All right, um, so... But that was the best Blackhawks team. And and I guess, I, I mean, I say this because my expectations were uh, were at, were in line with that. Yeah. You know, it, it, I knew they were, uh, they were it, it was, hurt. It was a, I mean, I, I didn't think that, I, I think they might have squeaked that one out, but I didn't think that they were going to win in yeah. Game Seven, in you can just see how you good the Blackhawks oh, were, yeah. and and I I'll always remember um, the press conference that Claude Julian had before Game Six. It was one of the reporters from RDS, the uh, French station in Quebec. No, we um, the French reporter, you know, asked the question of Claude Julien about Bergeron. So just what about Bergeron? And Claude's answer was Il va jouer. He will play. Mm. He's going to play. He's a ballsy guy. All yes. right. So and that that was the only mention of Bergeron in that press conference when everyone wanted to know, of course. So you've got that one on there. I'm assuming the the uh, the three zero up three zero losing games losing in seven games the Flyers 
Um, that was tough. When also up three, up three nothing in that game, the game seven. That was that was a real gut punch. But they did come back the very next year and win it. So it oh, was it, yeah, with a vengeance. It, it was it was an Aaron Boone type of type of you know Aaron Boone it hits. Yeah, it's a walk off in 03. No, and the I very think that's next, fair. The very next year, the Red Sox come that's back totally and win it. Fair. It is that. So yeah, I'm assuming that's it. I was it. there for it. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm assuming that that's got to be on that. But you know, as far as bad Bruins moments, uh, you know, I. Uh, I mean, in the those two Stanley Cups in the '88 and '90, there. I mean, you were probably too I young could, to really yeah. appreciate those, but those weren't particularly close. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, it, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, the worst moment. Do you have anything else that really? It's really painful on this. Well, what's your what's your official guess? I mean, I I, I thought that the number one would would be that the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks. Is that it? No, it's not. It's uh, not. It's not on my list. Um, because I think I I You're I in the knew same what to expect. You knew, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew what to expect with them at that point. So I knew what Bergeron is, so what was your, hurting real bad. So what is your most painful moment? Um, basically, it's when they lost, when my expectations were at their highest. What was that? Um, that was uh, Scott Walker. Oh God! In overtime, the Carolina in the, Game the, Seven, the zombie, the zombie uh, in the at, second round, the zombie whalers, the uh, yeah. The Carolina Hurricanes, the, the bane of my existence, yeah. those, those assholes. I think it was a game or two before that. Scott Walker had punched Mark Savard yeah. straight in the he face, and suspended. he didn't even get a penalty no. for it. And then he overtime. scored a bullshit game winner Some in overtime right in game seven. Yeah. I, the, I think the Bruins were up. Were they down 3-1 in that series? I think they yeah, were, yeah. They were. That was uh, a very good team. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. that that. They should have won that. That 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 you know one of the great moments that gets lost in this Bruins run happened in that series before against the Sabers when Miroslav Shatan scored in overtime. Yes, Mira the uh, and Trevor is doing the Miro. Did the, the running man? Go yeah. ahead. And, I was I was watching that at Fenway. I was I was me and our friend Dave Bartlett were at Fenway watching and I was watching that series from the third base you know where the tasty burger is at Fenway you can look out and look into the TVs at game on the bar right across the street from Fenway I was leaving my seat you know probably I was probably not even watching the Red Sox game uh, and I was actually watching it at the TV at game on and I came running back and yelled at the entire section that they had actually won that that sort well anyway so that's a happy memory I think I went to like game five in that series (laughs) all right so we have to move on. So that's your that's your worst moment. So uh, no, I got I um it, that's it, for goals. Yes. Okay. For goals, um, it, Scott Walker in two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and I can't say that without saying Joel Ward in, in oh, two thousand twelve. Yeah. Be- like also, I talk about expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins were the reigning cup champs. They were defending the cup, and they lost in the time of, a of cup, game bit seven. Of a cup hangover. Yeah. So I mean, I was dismissing any doubts I had about their health or their ability, and I was expecting them to hold on to the cup and just repeat. Uh, I knew it wasn't likely, barely possible, but the Mm. first round series against Washington, game seven in overtime, you flip a coin and it went the wrong way. All right, so we got 15 minutes left. Just right. run run through the other horrible moments. Couple of, a couple of quick on ones. Where I, we've already talked about some of them, so we're going to breeze right through them. Okay. Injuries. Uh, Randy Jones hitting Patrice Bergeron. I remember Terrible. watching it live, and I so was at hard. work, and I basically had to stop working. I couldn't keep working because yeah. I, I was <laughs> that concerned for Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> I mean, it was only like 2005 or six, so he was only with the team yeah. for a couple of years, but I've I'm been a- following him very closely since – Draft since the draft, well, since training camp yeah. that year, because you made the team as an eighteen-year-old, and I remember, I remember being particularly interested 
because he's my age. Mm. And when they drafted Patrice Bergeron and he made that team as an eight, 18-year-old, I knew my life was over. <laughs> yeah, that's really when you start feeling old is when they start drafting yeah. people that are I great. knew that there was no yeah. doubt left that my dream of whatever playing hockey yeah. professionally or for the Bruins, it was dead when I watched Patrice Bergeron and I was happy to see it go for him to play. Yeah. And, oh, Other, goodness. I mean, I, I'm assuming when you're talking about injuries, Cam Neely's got to be on there. Uh, Norm, yeah, Cam and Ulf. Norman. Norman uh, uh, Norm Levy. I mean, it's yeah. Before, yeah. Before, before my time, time but, but I, but... I know about it. I didn't want to include it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also Savard and Cook. Yeah. Uh, and then just in case it, hasn't gotten mentioned in any other way. Uh, Aaron Rome hitting Nate, yeah, Horton, Nate Horton in Game Three, really especially never... because they were down, they were down two games to none. Um, hey, you know, I might as well go back to Game Two for another one on my list. Alex Burrows scoring mm, nine seconds oh, into, into overtime, overtime of Game quick. Two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a heartbreaker to go down two games to nothing. Two games to nothing. Remember, remember that day very well because I met uh, I met uh, the anthem singer. What's his name? Renee. Oh, Renee. I met Renee outside the uh, Bell and Hand that night with a whole bunch of people. <laughs> oh, that's a good place. All right, so me. most, most – uh, So I got a uh, – game three one. was Aaron Rome hitting yeah, Nate Horton. Aaron that was in the first period. It was a nothing-nothing game. So that was the lowest point mm-hmm. for that team. It was uh, the end of the first period. They had just lost their most clutch goal scorer, and they were down mm-hmm. two games to none at home, and it looked bleak. It looked desperate, and then they scored eight fucking goals in that game. I remember that. All right, so most hated person. Uh, just or most who's who's the biggest who's the biggest bad guy like does one person spring to mind yes. I thought I mean I I, 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 I said two. I said earlier um, I said it, I just assumed it would be Jeremy Jacobs but yep. I, I something else sprung to me as you, we were talking and I thought that I'm assuming Ulf Samuelson has got to be on that list too right <laughs> Um, I'm I'm gonna go way beyond. You're gonna go beyond. Ulf, yeah, Ulf Samuelson, I'm like, I'm, I, Ulf Samuelson was the man that that hit uh, had a dirty hit to Cam Neely, one of the great all time. Stuck his leg out, knee on knee. It was and totally dirty. Cam really Neely was still Cam Neely was still good enough to score 50 goals in 50 games, I believe. After that, but he was mm-hmm. he was playing every other game, and he was he was never really as good a player as Cam no. Neely was, which was dominating. So and it was another one of those really difficult retirements. Yeah. So who who were your who were your um, what are your names? Well, you you said Jeremy Jacobs. Yeah. And that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person I've got is so bad <laughs> that one of his stories, in in one of his stories, Jeremy Jacobs is the good guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. We're going back to 1974, 75. All right. A little bit out of the um, zone, but okay. Yeah. No. And and uh, you very... asked me where's person, not player. I didn't. Okay. So it doesn't right. matter yeah, that yeah, I've seen true. this happen or not. I've read the facts. Um, is it Don Cherry? <laughs> no, it's it's Alan Eagleson. <laughs> oh, yes. This Alan Eagleson a... was Bobby Orr's agent. Screwed him out a lot of money. And um, Bobby Orr, uh, he did not play as long as he should have with the Bruins. He had, he had a lot of knee problems because he played his balls off every single game. And and he he knew that he didn't have a lot left. His knees were going, and he was his contract was up with the Bruins. So... It came time to negotiate a new deal, mm-hmm. and the Jacobs family basically they they just bought the team. I think it was seventy five, yeah. so it must have been about seventy five. So um, the Jacobs family offered Bobby Orr a contract for the next season and a partial ownership of the franchise, but that never got back to Bobby Orr. Yeah, 
um, this because was, th- this that, was an era too when all there was there was always some shady shit going on with yes. with, with contracts. A lot you of know? It was I mean, there's because that, of Alan Eagles. There's that. Well, they're also in that, not just in hockey too, but you remember that famous story where you know the the Red Sox just wouldn't wouldn't didn't send for some contractual reason they didn't send uh, contracts to Carlton Fisk and another player in time just because they didn't want to pay they wanted to sign him or at least have the idea of signing him but they didn't send him the contract in time so he left and signed with the White Sox probably yeah. not in the same but there was always shady shit uh, going there was on with the a contracts. lot more a lot and more the, power in this in sort of nascent ownership. free agency like before the the, before the marketplace that's developed as it is today, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of city, and that was certainly one of the saddest because Bobby Orr did re- did you know he retired as a Chicago Blackhawk, and that has a yes, ruin. So kind of yeah. sad. But anyway, so, so who's your other? Who's the, your the other playing, guy? Well, the 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 contract to play wasn't for a lot of money. The ownership mm-hmm. is is where the money was. But Eagleson, I think, only got a cut from the playing contract, mm-hmm. which would have been a little bit for him. And the Blackhawks were offering a lot more for Bobby Orr to play. Yeah. And he didn't he, he played, but he only played a little bit. Right. So Eagleson got more money out of that deal. Yeah. And he never told Bobby about the ownership deal with the Bruins. He only told him that the contract with Chicago was better. Right. So he's he was like, You serious? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to Chicago. I trust you. So and Eagleson yeah. and, and trade him. Yeah. And you know, and this this guy was bad enough that you he, he was so he had so yeah. bad he actually went beyond the scope. Your, Late, your I scope. mean, yeah. like all of Canada right. was against him. Yeah. Uh, like later yeah. on, a bunch of There's Hall of Famers got together. Stuff. Well, because yeah. Eagleson was uh, was early on one of the advocates for for player rights, the the players' union, and he got uh, he got himself into the Hall of Fame. But a lot of Hall of Fame players said to the league, they petitioned the league. They said, "You remove him from the Hall of Fame." Yeah. Or we're leaving. Yeah, it was it was guys like Bobby Hall and Johnny Busick and whoever else got together and said, "This is it. It's him mm-hmm. or us." So Eagleson has been pulled from the Hall oh, of Fame. Well, that's not good. Um, I've All got right. one more other guy right, that no, I hate got... more than him. All right, just give me the name because we got five minutes. His left. name is Graham down. James, and he's out on parole oh, at the yeah. moment. That's awful, uh, um, awful story. Yeah, he's he's the. I mean, he's very. We famous could dedicate Canada. an entire hour to that he's, story uh, alone. Very quickly, he's the the a really terrible person that uh, ended up. We molested a lot of people, including a former Bruin named. Sheldon Kennedy, um, and you know, a very, very big scandal in junior hockey across Canada. So it's a, it's a really terrible story. So yeah, we could do a lot, but let's move on to something happier just to close this out because we got five minutes left. Your optimism for the future. Just give me a one through ten, and give me a couple of reasons why. I mean, I think that you're at least about a seven or a seven or eight out of ten for the future within the next five years. You think? Do you think that they'll they'll be? In the place to at least challenge for the Stanley Cup within the next five years, sure. another Stanley Cup. Yeah, oh yeah, parody. It's uh, a parody <laughs> in the NHL. Is... It's. I mean, it certainly seems like you know. It feels like the Bruins have been defined by you know their defense, the defensemen for the era. And if we were coming to the twilight of the Char era, which we probably are, I, you know, I I've heard you speak. You wax poetic about the, the the wonders of Charlie McAvoy, who was a prospect that came up to the playoffs basically last year, uh, a first round pick uh, out of BU, correct? BC, and he BU. played played very well. So he'll be up there next year. I know that they have a really young, excellent uh, European sniper in David Pasternak. They still have Krejci. Yeah. They still have you know Marshawn's developed into a, you know a consistently one great of the scorer. best players in the league. Still have Bergeron. Have a lot of young talent on defense and a couple more prospects coming up. They still have Tuka Rask, who can be a Vezina caliber. I mean, he has won a Vezina trophy and is a fantastic goaltender. So I mean, I think the future has been pretty bright. I mean, I, I think that. 
Bruce Cassidy, uh, you know, the the new coach of the Bruins. And, you know, I can't believe I've actually gone this long without calling him Butch Cassidy. I'm assuming I'll do that like 500 times well, that next just season. Stopped. Yeah. Um, so I, I I would, I mean, I, I could see it's some pretty bright skies ahead for the Bruins in the next couple of years. You, do you agree with this? In, I agree in with like you. Two minutes? What yeah. number do we agree on? I mean, I said I'll say I'll I'll say it's an eight eight to ten for optimism. Is that is that? I'll give you the eight. Yeah, I was going to go okay. with an eight. Yeah. yeah, and I I I am very optimistic about the youth that's coming in through this team, but I'm not going to go higher than eight because they don't really have they don't have a the offensive yeah. blue chipper. There's no that there's you, no that you really want. There's no yeah. There's no real. Huge, they haven't drafted high enough. Right. To get no, that guy. Well, no, they did once, but you know he's Alex gone. Alex, Ovech, <laughs> Alex Ovechkin is not walking through that door, folks. Oh, I, I, to, I meant uh, the kid down in Dallas. Oh, um, Tyler Sagan. Yeah, Boy, what I, would this franchise look like if they if you know if they hadn't shipped different. him out here? A little bit different, but a little bit different. So it's eight of ten. So you're yeah. You're, no, you're I'm I'm going to go with an eight like. because I like a, there's a lot of a lot of good high good, quality good talent, talent mm-hmm. in their prospects. There's no guy that really stands up as one of the. I mean, well. Because it's, it's I don't deep. consider Pasternak a prospect, and at this point, I'm going to say Charlie McAvoy's not a prospect either because he's played in the NHL. Um, so, excluding those two guys, you've got a lot of B plus so. prospects that all have a legitimate chance to make an impact on yeah. this team. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a good and a deep team that will probably be in a solid playoff position and who the hell knows for next year. Yeah, it all. I mean, it all depends on everybody else. I mean, right now we are in the middle of. We're in the middle of a an off season with it's going to see the most change across the league that mm-hmm. you've seen in a long time. It's going to be the fun. expansion draft. Yeah, the expansion draft is prompting trades beforehand. We saw one today. We saw Jonathan Drouin go to Montreal. We did. That was because of the expansion draft. Um, after the expansion draft, we're going to see who loses who, and then everybody's going to have to reassess their rosters and then make more trades, and then the draft is a few days after that mm-hmm. where there will be more trades involving draft picks and then a few days after that is free agency. Yeah. People need to get themselves in line for free agency, sign who they can, reassess their rosters again and then make more trades. Oh. So it's going to be the busiest offseason in NHL history. So- and the Bruins are in great position to handle it because they don't have any dilemmas about who to protect. At least any dilemmas of consequence. Um, you know, they can argue about the Millers on defense, who to protect and who to expose. <laughs> Vegas would be wise to take whichever one is not exposed. I assume McQuaid will be exposed, but Vegas probably doesn't want to take him. So it's um, going to, so all in all, it's just going to be, it's going to be pretty We're going to see a lot of activity. I would be surprised if there is a team in the league that does not make a trade mm. over the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, that's something to look out for. So 8 to 10 for the Bruins, perhaps they'll stay in the cup in the future. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look the, the, goal the, t- the goaltending see, looks good. Look at the optimistic New England fans we've all turned into over yeah. the years. And right, you know what's crazy. great about having a lot of B plus B plus prospects? What's that? They don't cost a lot of money. Not a lot of money. Even when they get to that next level of contract, they don't cost a lot of money. So you can have a lot of them together. And a lot of those together beats a lot of top and bottom. Uh, that's true. A couple of top shelves and a lot of bottom shelves mixed together. All right. We got to end this there. All right. That's the Bruins one. Next week, uh, I'm going to have somebody else on, probably another New Englander because that's where we are but anyways thanks trevor we're gonna have to come you on we're gonna have to uh have you back on again when we run out of sports teams to talk about talk about we have to like move on to movies so 
I don't know, Paul Thomas Anderson? Hey, we might be looking at a whole <laughs> different Bruins roster a week from now. All right, that's Two good. weeks from now. But yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson's a good okay, place to go, Okay, we'll do the to. Paul Thomas Anderson one. That's we'll why we'll we break down movies. the music video <laughs> recording. For you for, got the touch. Yeah, well, that's true. All right, man. All right, I will end it right there. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Right. That's it. Uh, Peace. <laughs> that's the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm gonna get the all and I get the